have your Bibles this morning, open with me to the book of Luke, chapter 1, and I'm going to talk about wonder. It's the theme of tonight, but I've been preaching on this now for three weeks, and hopefully you've seen Christmas in a little different light. I love preaching Christmas, and I love preaching Easter stuff, because we, we go into the same themes every year, but I always try to take a different angle and look at it from a different light. So the word wonder just really means amazement. When you look at something or experience something that just kind of blows you away, there's a wonder, you know? And I think Christmas is that for us, you know? There was a medieval theologian who said, we can figure everything out about God pretty much by using our minds and our intellect, but there are three things that we can't figure out about God. No matter how much we try, we can't get to these through our intellect. One is the Trinity. Number two is the virgin birth. And number three is the incarnation, Jesus becoming, God becoming man in Jesus. You just can't figure those things out. They have to be given to us by divine revelation. And they should cause a wonder in our lives. So I finally broke down and Friday night dug the Christmas tree out of the attic. And we put up a Christmas tree. Well, actually, I did the hardest work. I dug it out of the attic. So I told the kids, y'all can put the tree up, right? So they were decorating the tree, and uh, my youngest, Alex, and her husband, Axel, they, they really were decorating it. And then last night, we brought over a little maverick. He's my one-and-a-half-year-old one, one grandson. So we couldn't wait to see his reaction to this Christmas tree. And I found an old train upstairs in the attic. It's amazing what's in your attics if you just <laughs> go look around. And we found an old train that was taped up. I unboxed it, put new batteries in it, and the thing ran like a champ. So I put it around the Christmas tree, and uh, so little Maverick came in. And he, it was just, I took a picture of him looking at the Christmas tree. He, it was just a wonder, you know. And then we started the train, and it was so awesome because when the train would go behind the tree, he started crying because, like, he couldn't see the train. We're like, hold on, buddy. Give it three seconds. It's going to be around the bend, you know. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to have that kind of wonder back sometimes about life and about Christmas? And We live in a wonder-filled universe, and God gives us his blessings and we have a lot to be thankful for. Amen? Amen? So I want to talk about wonder in the person of Mary this morning. Turn with me to Luke chapter 1 and verse 35. And Luke has just the best Christmas stories. The Christmas narratives that appear in Luke are just amazing. And let's begin in verse 39 of Luke chapter 1. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah. Now, if you've been to Israel with us before, we've been to that. Ein Karim is, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but that's the city. And it's a beautiful little Jewish uh, village kind of in the mountains. So Mary goes there to see her kinfolk, Elizabeth. And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Mary heard the, or Elizabeth rather, heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. That's the, the baby Elizabeth was carrying, who would be John the Baptist. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. 
You can see over and over and over in these texts in Luke, it's all saturated with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes upon Zechariah. Holy Spirit overshadows Mary. An angel is sent to convince Joseph. You know, us guys need a little more convincing sometimes. The angel comes to convince Joseph of this thing. The Holy Spirit shows up in all the, the praises that happen. Over and over and over, it's amazing. And, and, and no wonder Luke becomes the theologian of the Holy Spirit. Later in the book of Acts, he writes Acts. And we see Pentecost and all the evidence that he's looking for. Anyhow, then she spoke, this being Elizabeth, she spoke out with a loud voice. And she said, Blessed are you among women! And blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Think, Elizabeth is the older person here. And she's amazed that she's blessed to have her young kinfolk come who's carrying the Lord. She understood what was going on. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So think about this. When Mary walks in the room, Elizabeth is pregnant, Mary's pregnant, John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb starts having a praise break. (laughs) He shouts as soon as Jesus in the womb, comes in the room. Come on. And these two women become the first to recognize the Lord. The story of the incarnation was first given to Mary. Think about that. The story of the resurrection was first given to the women who ran to the tomb. Some of you women should should, should be giving me a little more love and feedback there. Amen? Okay, then what happens? Now we turn to Mary, and Mary erupts in a praise. Mary says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed, for he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, and he has scattered the proud in in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, and he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. What she says here is a praise, and it comes across in uh, kind of like a like a song. It's Mary's song, and if you look throughout the birth stories of of Luke, Mary has a song here. Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband, has a song that erupts in praise. The angels in Luke chapter 2 erupt in praise. Simeon in the temple erupts in praise. And then finally, Anna, who had been praying and believing for the consolation of Israel for her whole life, she erupts in praise. Five different praise scenarios or 
praise songs erupt at the announcing of Jesus' coming. It's like Hannah. Remember in 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah was barren and she believed God for a child and she went to the temple and she cried and she prayed and God gave her a son and his name was Samuel. And she prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord and my horn is exalted in the Lord. I smile at my enemies. I love that kind of praise. Stick it in your face, devil. Because I rejoice in your salvation and no one is holy like the Lord. What does praise actually mean? Or here the term Mary uses is magnify. And in Latin it becomes known as the magnificat. And if, you read, if you're from a liturgical church, maybe you've, you've prayed this magnificat through the years. What does it mean to magnify? To magnify means to make something bigger. And so that's a definition, I think, of praise. When we praise God, we make Him bigger. Now, can we technically add to God and add to who He is and add to His character? No, we can't do that. But when we praise Him, we magnify Him in our lives. It's kind of like when we look at something. I look at the letters on this page. They're unchanging. But when I put on these magnifiers... It becomes bigger to me, and I get the blessing of the magnifiers. How many magnifiers do I have in the house this morning? Come on, some of y'all are magnifiers, right? Our job is to magnify the Lord and bless the Lord and worship the Lord. You were created to worship God. You were created. God gave you hands to praise Him. God gave you a mouth to sing His praises. Whether you can sing in tune or out of tune, it doesn't matter. You still have the ability to sing. God gave you feet to walk in His ways and dance His praises. God gave you the emotions and the heart to love Him and passionately pursue Him. You were created as a worshiping being. No wonder Jesus said that hour is coming and now is when the Father is seeking true worshipers, those who will worship Him in spirit and truth. The Father is looking for people who can worship Him in spirit and truth. How many of those true worshipers do I have out there this morning? Okay, I'm going to go, go through this passage and I'm going to give you three reasons why you should praise the Lord. This is the wonder of Christmas Christmas is a praise party, right? Christmas is a praise party. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should praise the Lord. Number one, she says in verse 47, For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. And on down, he shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. You know, she's praising him because she didn't deserve what has happened to her. And you and I should praise Him because we've been given grace that we didn't deserve. He uses the term, she uses the term mercy here, and mercy is simply kindness or goodwill to those who don't deserve it. When you have mercy on someone, maybe you forgave someone of a debt, or you forgave someone of an offense against your life. It was really mercy. You didn't have to do that, but out of the goodness of your heart, you did it. God didn't have to forgive us of anything. 
God didn't owe us anything. And we owed a debt to him that we couldn't pay. So what God did is he came and he had mercy on us who didn't deserve it. And therefore, since he's had mercy on us who didn't deserve it, I think we deserve to praise him back for it and to magnify the Lord in our lives. So when we celebrate Christmas, we celebrate his coming and say, Lord, I thank you that you came because if you hadn't come, I would have been gone. I would have been destroyed. I would have been left to destruction. I would have destroyed myself, if nothing else. But God, you came and you had mercy on me and you rescued me. Therefore, I can praise you. This is what church is all about. It's what it's all about. I looked around this room and all of you were praising the Lord this morning. And I just thought, God, this is so great. I've been around the country and I've been in many parts of the world, but there's no other place, no place I'd rather be than worshiping God with you guys in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. I'm partial to the church and I'm partial to my worship team, yes. But I just love it. We just, we know each other and we get in here and all of our faults and failures and times we've messed up and made wrong decisions and... But we still come together, not because we were perfect our whole lives, not because we were born into perfection, but because we were born into sin and we've all been redeemed from that and we've all been granted mercy no matter what your background is, no matter what your color is, no matter what your education level is, no matter what your social status is. We've all been given mercy and now we come and worship from the same level ground at Calvary and we say, God, I don't deserve to be here this morning, but God, I thank you that you had mercy on me and you opened the doors of grace and allowed me to come in and feel your spirit and sing your praises one more time. <laughs> Woo! Somebody give him a praise this morning. Hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, I didn't deserve this. Look at him one more time and say, but this is what mercy does. Second reason why you should praise God. She says in verse 51, he has scattered the proud and haughty men. And he has brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. And he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. And he has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. This whole passage here is wrapped up in Israel and Israel's history. And she's really, she knows the impact of what's happened to her. She has a baby who will be the future Messiah And will be the one that Israel has longed for and hoped for for generations. She realizes this when she's pregnant. It's amazing. And so what I see in all of this is that God is saying, I have come to rescue Israel from all of its faults, all of its wanderings, all of its backslidings, and all of its bad decisions. Because if you remember Israelite history, those of you who walked with me through the Old Testament in the past two years, you'll remember that God gave Israel kings. But he gave a warning to the kings that the kings would never be able to measure up to his standards. And what happened? The kings went downhill. I mean, from David to Solomon right down into the garbage pail. And what happened was then eventually in time, the prophets of Israel started prophesying about a Messiah king who would come. 
who would not fail in the law of God or the things of God, but would fulfill every promise and would be the ultimate king that Israel had looked for. That was Jesus himself. He would come and rescue Israel from all of her wonderings. Can we personalize this this, this morning? I think absolutely we can. He's come to rescue you and I from all of our bad decisions. From all, I don't, no hand raising, but how many of you regret some of the things you did in the past? I wish I could go back 35 years and correct a few things. But it's water under the bridge now. I can't do that. I just got to live in the grace that God gives me now. And thank God that all that past is covered and washed away in the blood. He's forgotten it. Unfortunately, some other people haven't forgotten it. But you know what? As long as he's forgotten it, that's all that matters anyhow. And now I can praise him and I can stand here this morning and give him praise because he rescued me from all of those bad decisions and all of the sin debt that I carried and all the rebellion in my heart. This is what the incarnation is about, that Jesus has come and redeemed us. Bought us back, purchased us out of the world, saved us, rescued us, brought us out. No longer is sin my master. No longer is the world my Lord. No longer am I without God and hope in this world. No longer am I aimless. I have a destiny. I have a future. I have a hope. I have an expected end because God came and gave it to me. I didn't deserve it, but he came anyhow. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank God for presents and for lights and for red and green. But you know what? Christmas is about a lot more weighty matters than that. It's about we're celebrating Jesus coming to the lost and hurting world and now we're not lost and hurting no more if you've been born again hallelujah you've been saved you've been redeemed you've been bought with a price you've been sanctified you've been called out of this world system and now heaven is your home hallelujah What happens when God delivers you from something? What's your, what's your response supposed to be? You're supposed to thank him. You're supposed to praise him. Remember the story of the ten lepers who came to Jesus? He healed them all and only one returned to give him thanks. I don't want to be like the other nine. I want to be that one. That Lord, if nobody else is going to praise you, I'm going to stand here and praise you. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, what can the world do to you? What can the, you've already died. You've already died in Christ. You might as well go ahead and thank him for everything he's done. Hallelujah. Even though you didn't understand some things, go ahead and thank him anyhow. Hallelujah. For all the good he has done. Uh, Exodus chapter 15. If you know the story, Israel was in bondage for over 400 years in Egypt. God came and led them out, brought them to the Red Sea, and then they got to the sea. It was an insurmountable object. They're looking. They got a sea in front of them, and behind them, some paces behind, was the Egyptian army with Pharaoh and all of his soldiers and his captains and his mighty men and his chariots, and all the people start getting nervous, and they're like, Moses, why have you led us out here just to die? Now Pharaoh's army's behind us, drowning is in front of us. And Moses just says, 
stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And he walks up to the water and he holds out his rod and all through the night, the Bible says the winds came. All through the night, it parted those waters. The Bible said, so the water stood up like a wall on either side. And all of the Israelites went through. Now, how'd that happen? I've had somebody challenge me on it like in a scholarly fashion because there were probably several million of them. It took a long time. Two million people walking through the Red Sea probably took a long time. But you know what? It happened. And then they got on the other side. And then Pharaoh came in after them thinking the same thing was going to happen to his armies. And guess what? God wiped them out. And so when they got on the other side, here's what happened. It wasn't like Charlton Heston, you know. God has delivered us. No, no, no. They had a praise party on the other side. Bible says, then Moses and the children of Israel sang this song to the Lord. And spoke saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He's become my salvation. He is my God and I will praise him. My father's God and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war and the Lord is in On and on and on. And then in verse 20, 20, the, the sister Miriam comes out. This is a real Pentecostal meeting. Because she's a prophetess. And she shows up and takes out the tambourine. (laughs) You know you're in a Pentecostal church now. She takes out the tambourine and says, And all the women went after her with timbrels and with dancing, saying, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider he has thrown into the sea. That's what kind of praise I'm like. Take that, devil. And they're singing and rejoicing because God has rescued them. Listen, I know if you're having the worst day ever, maybe your bills are due and you don't know how you're going to pay them. Maybe you've had broken relationships and maybe you've been through stuff we don't even know or understand. But I can guarantee you one thing. You can at least scrape up something this morning that God has rescued you from and that alone is enough to stand and give him praise this morning and give him a shout, hallelujah. The devil and his riders he's thrown into the sea and if nothing else, God, you rescued me from sin. You purchased me with your blood and I'm going to give you praise this morning. Come on, take about 30 seconds and just give him a shout. Somebody just shout hallelujah. Okay. If you remember the story of Esther, what happens after Esther? Esther risks her life to make sure her people are saved. And then at the end, all of the Israelites are saved. God turns the tables on the enemy Haman. It's an amazing story. But what happens at the end? Israel institutes a festival called Purim. And if you look at it, it's really a praise festival that they have never stopped honoring. The last time I was in Israel, it was in March, and it was a cold there. It was 40 degrees in Jerusalem when we went. But riding through the streets of Jerusalem, 
We saw um, these, they look like uh, pinatas or something, hanging out of people's apartment terraces and, and balconies. And what it was was a representation of Haman being hanged. I went, I went with Doug Eccles one time to a Jewish synagogue that a friend of ours was renting and having church services in on Sundays. And the pastor took me in the back and he said, you'll never know what this is, Hans. And it was a, a, a figure of a head with a hammer and a lever contraption that they could pull and just beat that guy in the head with a hammer. <laughs> well, I read the front and it was in Hebrew and it was Hamon. It was Haman. It was, it was Haman. I said, it's Haman. So every Purim, they can come and beat him on the head a little bit. Boom, 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 boom. If the Jews can celebrate that every year and have a praise party every year and knock their enemy in the head every year or hang him from their balcony, how much more can you and I, 365 days a year, 24-7, Not just on Christmas, it should be 365 days that we can get up in the morning and say, thank you, God. The devil's been defeated. Hallelujah, Jesus, you've conquered. And I'm going to give you praise one more day, Lord. Oh, somebody shout hallelujah. Okay, okay, okay. The third reason why you should praise the Lord. He says, she says in verse 55, for he has made this promise to our ancestors and to Abraham and his children forever. Meaning she understood, Mary understood that the birth of Jesus wasn't just for a season it was going to change things, but that it was going to have an everlasting impact and was going to change people's lives throughout eternity. She had a future perspective. So she could sit there or stand there and give God praise, not for what had just happened to her only, but also for what was going to happen in the future. So listen, you can praise him not just for what he's rescued you from, past tense, but you can praise him for the great things he's getting ready to do for you that you have never seen yet. Because the Bible method is like this. Jesus said in Mark 11, Therefore I say unto you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, once you have the scientific proof of it, you can believe it. No, he didn't say that. Therefore I say unto you, whatever things you ask when you pray, when you have all the footnotes and every scholar's opinion on it, And you have a consensus of the consortium of scholars. No. He turned the tables. And he said, when you you pray, whatever things you ask for when you believe, believe first that you receive them, and then you'll have them. He turned it around. So you know what? The, The order is reversed. In the scientific method, we must test and prove before we believe it. And thank God for that. It's given us, it's kept us through the history of mankind. But in the realm of faith, it's different. In the realm of the spirit, it's different. God turns the tables. 
and says, now you must believe before you receive. Abraham received the word and waited 25 years till that word came to pass. You got to think about Joshua and the city of Jericho. When he came to Jericho, God told him not one person had, had, been in, had, had, had fought them from Jericho. Not one soldier had died. Not one sword drawn. God said, go to the city, march around the city, and do it for seven days. Then on the seventh day, blow the trumpets. I have given you the city. I believe it was an act of faith that they had to go out there and to march around in advance believing God to do what they couldn't do. Some of us need to start praising Him in advance to do some things that we can't do. Oh, hallelujah. Come on, I got some loved ones that need to be saved. I'm just going to go ahead and praise Him in advance. I've already prayed for them. I'm going to keep praying, but I'm going to keep praising Him as well. Come on, some of you need sickness. You got sicknesses in your body. You need healing. Maybe you need to start praying and praising Him and thanking Him as if it's already done. Come on, some of you need a breakthrough financially. Maybe you need to stop complaining about it and stop putting down the whole situation and start praying about it and start praying. Praising him about it. Hallelujah. Maybe you need to start praising him in advance that he would open up some doors that's been closed to you and that God starts showing you favor like never before. Come on. Maybe some of you need to start complaining and start praising. Stop belly aching and start giving him thanks. Stop talking about people and start talking to the master about it. Hallelujah. Come on. Do I have anybody in this church this morning? Who feels like praising him like I do? Come on, somebody, give him a praise this morning. Come on, just let it go. Give him a praise in advance for what he's gonna do. chosen frozen mindset get over in the Holy Ghost come on I dare you to close your eyes so you don't think about anybody else and take about 60 seconds and give him some crazy praise come on praise it don't make no sense just give him some crazy praise come on one two one two three go
so much for joining us online and I hope the message was a real blessing to you you know eternity is a real thing you're gonna spend eternity somewhere according to the scriptures you spend eternity in one of two places first of all heaven Paul said to be absent from the bodies to be present with the Lord or number two in hell uh, Jesus talked about the rich man who went to hell and was in great torment and he was begging Abraham to send someone a messenger to tell his family well, listen, you're hearing the message today. Eternity is real, and you're going to spend it in one of two places. So why don't let's decide right now, me and you, that you're going to spend it in heaven. How do you do that? You accept Jesus into your heart. Open up your heart and say, Lord, come in. Cleanse me of all sin. I accept you as my Lord, and take the throne of my life as yours. Okay? So let's pray right now. Just pray with me right where you are. Just repeat this, Father in heaven, I, I remove myself from the throne of my heart. And Jesus, I invite you to sit on the throne of my heart. Forgive me of all sin, wash me in your precious blood, and I accept your sacrifice for me. And I thank you, Lord, for cleansing me, for saving me, and for accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. 
Can you say amen right where you're at? Hey, thank you for joining us. And please come back, get in, get in the Word, get in the flow of the Spirit. And uh, we're just blessed to have you with us and look forward to seeing you the next time.